0: Hailing Frequencies open, and welcome to Star Trek Discoverage, the live podcast that boldly goes into excruciating detail about this week's episode of Star Trek Discovery. I'm your host, Aaron Coker, a.k.a. Caliban, and I'm going to make a... I Made It Through 23 Weeks of Trek t-shirt for celebrating the end of 23 Weeks of Trek. Joining me on the show, as usual, is my co-host. She's also the co-host of the Generations Geek podcast, a more or less family-friendly celebration of geekdom. It's Ella Pearson. Ella, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Ella, would you wear a uh, I Made It Through 23 Weeks of Trek t-shirt?
1: Do I have to spell it first and how fast?
0: (laughs) Yes, I think that's the qualifying (laughs) <laughs> uh, trial for having to get a shirt like this uh, once you can yes, do it. a d e
1: I-M-A-D-E. No, just kidding. I would wear it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> do not forget the hyphen. <laughs> also joining us on the show tonight, they're a musician and a podcaster, the co-host of the Virtual Theater Podcast and the Pro Wrestling Required Viewing Podcast, and my co-host on the Backtracking Podcast. It's Gooey Fame. Gooey, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Good to have you back. Um, I was uh, just thinking the other day about uh, what we were talking about on the news item portion of our last recording session for for, uh, backtracking. And then how it connected to something that we were talking about when we were talking about Nemesis recently. And that is all the different ways that we can not improve, but let's say diversify the character of Janeway.
2: Okay, yeah. We were and talking.
0: What, we were talking about uh, her appearance on Star Trek: Prodigy, how she was going to be helping out these kids, and you made the great suggestion that is she a kid too? Did she have like a like a like a rascals situation I, okay, happen? Okay, <laughs> I'm
2: glad you mentioned that because I was like, what are, what are we talking about? Yeah, I, yeah. I for some reason I don't remember the suggestion. <laughs> is it going to be no. like
0: a uh, little Katie Jane is going to lead these plucky kids uh, on their ship?
2: Why not? Yeah, they didn't say. Yeah, you you pointed out like. I I like we should just say what the other person said, but you said they didn't specify what time period this takes place. That's right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe (laughs) she's pulled from the past. Yeah. A grieving young Kate Jane away is actually that's our I'm not sure how old she was when her dad died, but let's say she was young and uh And, yeah, she puts uh, together with these uh, ragtag kids. Uh, Also, um, we were talking on the Nemesis show about – I posed to you a hypothetical question about how Janeway would handle the situation that Picard found himself in in Nemesis, meaning just the political situation. But you were like, oh, like a clone of Janeway? And I was like, that's it right there. (laughs) (laughs) Shinsway.
2: Shinsway. Yeah. Well, Yeah. They could uh that could be a great uh m- like mid season twist, actually. Yeah, I, you think it's Janeway the whole time.
0: I think we figured out too that uh she would have to try to immediately kill uh her, her opposite because Janeway doesn't like uh opposites of her or doubles of her.
2: I can't think of any episodes. I I feel like
0: well, really there's a, a co- couple.
2: Uh <laughs> yeah, they're not as memorable to me, but I feel like if you're a Star Trek captain it like it is in like the Starfleet rules that you have to get at least cloned once.
0: Right. By yeah. Accident, yeah.
2: If not like at least three times.
0: And then when you are, you have to like, uh, try to shoot yourself or, or something like that.
2: Yeah, no, there's no other way it should end.
0: Yeah. That's in the bylaws. That's absolutely the way or, that it has to go.
2: <laughs> or they have to like get stabbed and then like eerily pull themselves further through the, through the <laughs> Im- impalement.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I stab you. You stab me. We're both Janeway. Then we both pull each other through <laughs> the pipe. Just to show ourselves. how twisted we really yeah. are. Yeah. And then we kiss in the middle. That's how it works. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> All right, we did it. This is a great Nickelodeon show. Yeah, this (laughs) is for the the
0: Nick show. Yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, thanks for joining us on this show tonight. Uh, I wanted to talk quickly about a news item that I saw. Uh, which has to do with Star Trek Discovery specifically, uh, we have found out that Star Trek Discovery is of course renewed for a fourth season and it will actually begin shooting fairly soon and a lot of people were wondering how they were going to do that when we have the situation that we've got with COVID of course um, it's scheduled to shoot the beginning of next month, November 2nd and Alex Kurtzman said uh, Alex Kurtzman, official man who gets interviewed for Star Trek, although I think <laughs> Mike McMahon is uh, is lapping him now, but uh, they were asking him how they're going to do it and he revealed that they would be using um, an AR wall uh, in the same fashion that The Mandalorian does. Um, Not sure if you know or have seen any behind-the-scenes footage, but on The Mandalorian, many of the, uh, many if not all, of the settings and locales that they find themselves in are filmed separately or are computer-generated, and then the actors merely play within a virtual space that is projected behind them in a sort of 21st century version of the rear projection of old-time filmmaking. That sounds weird and bad <laughs> to well, me. Yeah, and
1: that's how, so does that mean that the actors aren't going to be together or does it, like, how are they using that for a disco?
0: Well, that's a good question. Uh, you can read the full interview on IndieWire and he goes into some detail, but not a lot. I'm assuming that it would be You know, smaller groups of actors rather than having a large crew, which is how you really get, you know, spreading uh, a lot of things around. But yeah, I just think that that's really incredible. It's really like when you think about it, kind of like our 21st century version of the holodeck. Uh, It's about as close as we can get right now Uh, in a physical space. Of course, we've got VR, but when you watch, uh, I've watched some of these behind the scenes featurettes for The Mandalorian, and it really is incredible. They control the lighting so well, so that if you've got, say, a desert planet behind you, or Iceland, or whatever, uh, you can reproduce that lighting to the degree that it just looks so real, and its I'm sure there's an expense involved, but, you know, so is going on location, you know, so is going right. out to Tunisia, or something like that, so it's, it really is an amazing new tool that makes a lot of sense for sci-fi, but who knows, maybe it'll work its way down to MacGyver, or, or whatever, <laughs> they'll be using it all over TV in the future. Did they That's do that so cool.
2: on the first season of Mandalorian?
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Oh, okay. And it it looked good? Because I'm skeptical of this looking good.
0: It looks so
1: good. I've only seen a few episodes of The Mandalorian, but... Like, in the first, like, five episodes, they use it, do you think?
0: They used it all over, yeah. They used it in the very first... episode The Ice Planet episode, they used it.
1: Are you serious? Yeah. Because it's sharp. That's a clean television
0: show. <laughs> and, and when you think about that first episode, if I'm remembering it correctly, like it begins on an ice planet and then now we're talking about Star Wars on Star Trek, but you know, whatever. Uh, and, Uh-oh. <laughs> and then he goes into space and he goes to another planet, uh, which is like a desert planet. And so... I you know getting you you watch Star Wars the films where they you know green screens and all that stuff aside they're shooting on lo- these locations and you just get used to that as a visual feel for Star Wars and I think it's one of the reasons that the Mandalorian works so well because you immediately don't question like I'm watching a TV show and these guys are like in the middle of a desert somewhere like how do they do this you don't even ask that you just oh yeah it's Star Wars but that this is how they accomplish mm-hmm. that
1: that's crazy I had no idea
0: yeah. And it's coming to Star Trek now.
2: I can't wait till they employ this technology on
0: young Sheldon. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. When young Sheldon went to Tatooine. Yes. (laughs) But I will be uh, looking to see uh, how it looks in in season four. Uh, I'm very, very fascinated by this technology.
1: Wow. Next on Star Wars The Mandalorian, Uh, we're going to go in... Yeah,
0: get the right background in, yeah. You don't want to see a Discovery back there. Uh, Well, tonight we've seen the second episode of the third season of Star Trek Discovery, Far From Home. We're here to break it down for you. And before we start, and as always, we are setting a course for the Spoiler Zone listeners, so be warned, we're glad you've decided to join us, but... (coughs) I'm going to cough, it's a live show, sorry. (coughs) But if you haven't seen the episode, spoilers are incoming. The official synopsis for Far From Home is... After the USS Discovery crash-lands on a strange planet, the crew finds themselves racing against time to repair their ship. Meanwhile, Saru and Tilly embark on a perilous first-contact mission in hopes of finding Burnham. This episode, like the last episode, was written by Michelle Paradise, Jenny Lamette, and Alex Kurtzman, uh, producers and showrunners all for Star Trek, and of course it was directed, like the last episode, by Olatunde Unsinsamni. The start date for this episode—there isn't a start date—but it's thirty-one eighty-nine, and you have to wonder how long star dates are getting now. How many digits are they up to? Do you think
1: it's like my phone number?
0: (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, every every
1: (laughs) couple
0: years, my phone number is longer. Yeah. Uh, Well, oh, it's Pi Day. Literally, it's just the number is Pi. So, (laughs) here's some facts. I thought that was pretty funny. Here's some facts from our memory banks about the episode. (laughs) This is the first episode where Rachel and Cheryl's name appears in the opening title sequence. Since she's been added to the regular cast, she, of course, plays Commander Nan. The uh, USS Discovery's crew uh, was first first established in Choose Your Pain as 136 souls. They are now down to 88, uh, which means that presumably there's been casualties or uh, over 40 people decided to stay in the uh, 23rd century. That's well, fair. Yeah.
2: I wouldn't blame anyone for doing that.
0: We, we do have that scene where uh, Burnham's like, I have to go alone. And it's like, we're coming with you. And it's the main cast. But presumably off camera, they went, OK, we're going to the future, but you don't have to go. And there's some people that just kind of <laughs> slink, slink out of the room, right?
2: That would have been less inspiring. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> to the escape pods and the shuttlecraft. Uh, the big guest star in this sep-
2: episode. When uh, you said 80 people, I was like, that's pretty good <laughs> that that many people chose to come. That that yeah. many
0: people, yeah, came along. Um <laughs> The big guest star in the episode is Jake Weber as Zara. Uh, he's a bit of a that guy. Uh, not maybe so recognizable, but he's been in a lot of films like the Dawn of the Dead remake in 2004, uh, the Meet Joe Black remake in the late 90s, uh, U571, and the movie Pushing 10. And I think it's safe now that the crew is essentially back together to bring back Theory Corner. Any theories... <laughs> About what's going on. We've had a couple mysteries uh put in front of us here. Uh, any theories as to uh, where we're heading or what's happening right now in the future of Star Trek.
1: You go first,
2: Gui. Oh, okay. Um <laughs> I have less of a theory and more of I guess what I what I keep thinking about they're gonna explore because they keep talking about like like people remember the Federation and like Yeah. Um I I thought it was kind of strange that people were like could like if you go what a thousand years in the future that like their technology is like recognizable to them or like, yeah, they wouldn't be totally sketched out by, you know, they're just like, okay, yeah, we'll fix your thing, which is compatible with our uh tech. But anyway, they're like talking about the Federation and I'm just sort of, I've been, I was just sort of like thinking about where they're going to go with like the Federation as an idea, as a, as an ideal or whatever and i don't know i'm i'm uh like cautious about it i guess i'm i'm not that into it as a as an idea that they're exploring
0: it's interesting cuz like a th- you know we deal in centuries in the, you know sci-fi and trek all the time um you know a thousand years goes by is that a big deal or not and i mean it is a big deal like on our planet um we've definitely had like continual human society for a thousand years no problem but when you think about like the the sort like the roman empire and the the time that it lasted and the relative peace uh that it provided an economic stability to allow the advancement of technology and you know the development of economy um and then it, you can lose all that you know with some kind of crash or like the bronze age uh collapse that basically you know uh affected society so like Assuming that maybe – it seems like the Federation is not too long gone, especially when you've got a guy who, within his living memory, uh, has been sitting on a a space station and remembers the better days of the Federation. So if you've got like, let's say, almost 900 years of continual um, development of technology, yeah, I would imagine that things would be really different. But then again – you know, a wheelbarrow is a very old tool. Maybe there's just some things that you just reach a level where yeah, it's like Yeah, that's a good point. This works. We can put lights on it, but I mean it like it kind of just does what it does no matter what century you're in. So,
2: I don't know. I'm I'm more like cautious I guess about like they they keep holding up the federation as like these are this is the ideal we want to restore, but like I don't know, maybe it's just like my own personal opinion, but I I like the idea of like we want to uphold these values or whatever, but I, I care a lot less about it being centered around like this particular state, you know, like the, the political state of the United Federation of planets and more about like, you know, take care of the people, you know, and you know, especially cause it's, I'm sure this is like supposed to be some sort of like USA metaphor that, that the Federation has become, you know?
0: Yeah. That's. I've been thinking about that a lot recently, and I sent a um, a link to Ella earlier in the week. Um, there's a, a writer named Darren Mooney who writes for Escapist Magazine, and he wrote a um, sort of a you know treatise or sort of theme on that particular idea, like holding. It's clear that like in this, you know, Star Trek has always been about the time that it's made in, about the now and how this is clearly a metaphor for trying to restore uh, American democracy or trying to, you know, get back to our values, uh, you know, in more of a liberal way than that's usually um, brought up, you know, making the Federation great again. And he really kind of like digs into <laughs> I don't, and... Don't say that. Well, I mean, you know, uh, he really kind of digs into that idea and talks about how it is troubling... Um, Only liberals can hurt themselves this badly. But, you know, how uh, it is troubling to – like, what are we restoring here? Um, You know, this is a franchise that is very progressive but has taken a long time to add even the most basic, what we think of as progressive elements to it uh, in in the 21st century. And how it has its kind of roots and DNA in this sort of American exceptionalism and this – and like Cold War philosophy, and I should—I'll tell you what—it's—it's um, it's on the Escapist. Like I said, it's Darren Mooney. The title of the article, if anybody's interested, is uh, "Even in Its Third Season, Discovery Shows Star Trek's Future Is Stuck in Its Past." And yeah, I, I thought it was very. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's a good title. It's a long title. It's a good title. Um, but like I said, um, I've been thinking about that as well, um, and I think that that's—we don't have to dig it all out now. But uh, it's something that. Yeah. Uh, I think will unfold hopefully, uh, thoughtfully as as the uh, the show goes on. I want to talk about the burn. Um, wait,
1: I want to wait. I want to keep talking about the article for a second. Oh, Elle,
0: yeah, yeah, Ella, tell me what you thought Just about the article.
1: That and I only saw it today, and so I feel like I didn't absorb it fully. But that is some of the best like writing and analyzing of like TV that I've read in so long. Yeah. And it made me wish that I had, that I was a super senior, that I had like a fifth year of college <laughs> so that I could use it in something. It's so stunning. And I really like, I feel like the point to be made is that he was so right in saying that, like, Star Trek has never really confronted directly, like, using the Federation as a parallel for the U.S., it's never really confronted directly directly. Um, our own issues and yeah. so to then skip to this season of disco and like you said try to make the Federation great again it's like we've never fully um, criticized the issues within ourselves and so then to be like well we're the here's how here's the good in us yeah. it's so it's so hard to get there without without first being like well here's the bad within us because even the you know it was like Mm-hmm. The last couple seasons even are – like Leland still felt so separate because like, yeah. something was controlling him, even though it was something that Starfleet created. Something was controlling him. Yeah. I don't know. I e- just
0: – No, that's – yeah. Even when cracks in the edifice are explored, it's yeah. always bad admirals. Uh, it's, it's Section mm-hmm. 31. It's outside forces like like Leland. And it's never yeah. – you know, the, the problem now is like, to, just to use a modern parallel, it's like mm-hmm. Nixon. What a crazy guy! Man, he almost ruined this country. What was he doing? And now, like in this new age, we realize you know, the the problems aren't the people. The people are put there by other people who you know have a different way of thinking, and it's not progressive. And so, yeah, I just I I think that's fascinating. Um, Darren Mooney is a great writer. He I just discovered too that he uh, runs a blog called themovieblog.org and the Owen movie is a zero. And he has been writing like uh, reviews of Trek episodes and essays for years, and I've oh been using God. I use them as like reference when I'm developing uh, scripts for shows. And I read this article and just put, oh, he's that guy. So I'm gonna see if I can get him on a future episode of Enterprising Innovation. Um, I was gonna so say. So. <laughs> yeah, stay tuned for that. So we'll see. Uh, let's talk about the burn. I think it's a lot less interesting, but it's you know it's a hook for for the new season. Uh, of course, we have to point out you know that it's half of Michael Burnham's name. I don't know if that means anything, uh, but a lot of people that's mm. the that's the that's the tin hat theory du jour, like Vogue in season one on the internet.
1: <laughs> we, are, that, we already got the tin foil hats on.
2: It could on actually connect to what we've been discussing, like that. You know, we could it could be something where you find out the cause of it is because of like some shortcoming of you know the federation or whatever and it's like oh we've been i'm, I'm just like predicting the final episode but like oh we actually need to like press forward in this different way so yeah. we can avoid the uh circumstances that will bring about the burn again <laughs> you know
0: well, I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's a, it's absolutely a fossil fuels, uh, you know, climate change metaphor. Oh yeah, Do like you I'm think? Th- well, I'm just assuming that. So we don't know yet. We're just talking about. We're off and running, talking about the episode here. So here we go. Like they <laughs> crash on the same planet that Burnham crashed on, right? It's mm-hmm. the isolated I think planet. So. Yeah. yeah, and she didn't yep, encounter the,
2: yeah, uh-huh. Reykjavik. She,
0: yeah, right. <laughs> planet Reykjavik. <laughs> and she didn't encounter... Um...
2: I thought it was Death Stranding. They crashed
0: out <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so popular. Iceland. So, so hot. So cold right now. Um, and they didn't... In- or she didn't encounter any of the Avatar rocks or anything like that, right? So, like, did something happen after she left, presumably?
2: Or maybe just this... You know, they only grow in this part of the
0: planet. Okay, something.
2: possibly. <laughs> Different, you know uh areas of biodiversity, you know.
0: It just seemed like it, you know, it's playing up this idea of ecological disaster and there's mm-hmm. parasitic ice that, you know, will destroy you and you're in your your ships and the things you've built and gravitational fluctuations and um and did, that sort of thing.
2: I didn't think there was like much thought behind the parasitic ice because it just out of nowhere, he's like, the ice will engulf you. It's parasitic. You know, I'm the like, well, <laughs> that would be, like, a whole episode of Star Trek, you know, normally. But it's <laughs> like, yeah. like, where, like, they landed it, and they're like, hmm, oh, it's, like, taking over more. Hmm, And they, like, f- discover this. But instead, it's just, like, it felt very much like a... A thing like a, a seven-year-old would throw in and it's like now it's <laughs> got a big bomb in it <laughs> like,
0: you, you thought that the ticking clock was unnecessary with the hostage situation and just the trying to find burnham and we're lost in, in the in the future and everything else
2: like i don't know i just feel like it wasn't set up it was just like the bad guy was like, then like oh yeah by the way the ice is parasitic <laughs> Ooh, and there's and some like, parasitic ice <laughs> wow i was like oh okay <laughs>
0: Yeah, it kind of reminds me of uh, when we were talking about Cat's Paw earlier, and you've got, you know, the ship is uh, encased in a lucite block. And so Chekhov and Lasala are trying to get the (laughs) ship out. And then just as like, I think we made a dent in it. And then later on, the the main bad guy's like, oh, I let them out. So it didn't matter.
2: Yeah, exactly. But then it would be, (laughs) it would then be like, though, if the main bad guy was like, but now it's on fire. Oh, (laughs) Whoa well, oh why, you know. Oh okay. <laughs> just felt so sudden, I don't know.
0: Yeah. I think it's really tough to to conceptualize the future and it's gotta be really tough to conceptualize the future of the future.
2: Future, future.
0: You know, it's one thing to have Daniels in his you know, in his ribbed outfit, <laughs> just, you know, just being like, I'm from the future. Uh there's a there's a cold war. But to actually have to sit in it and go, okay, well, where what are the Orions up to? You know, what are the Tellarites doing? Is uh, everybody have a really smooth face? They do, okay, good. Um, <laughs> you know, what are the guns like? It's 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 a tough it's a tough thing to do, and I think that they've purposefully kept a lot of the encounters smaller because. You've got to kind of build to it, and it's it, some of the preview things that we've seen. It looks like you know we're going to really get into like what's what's happening here in the future. But of course, when you have something like the burn, you kind of give yourself a little bit of um, leeway because if everybody's using like older technology uh, because the new stuff doesn't work, you know, or they've got broken stuff, then you can kind of like ease into like, all right, what are we going to do? I don't expect any like gigantic season two ending like fleet battles or anything for a while. That's what I'm guessing.
2: There's, yeah, there's probably not other fleets, right? Because they're like, a lot of ships had dilithium and, yeah. they, I don't know, would they blow up or something? You know? Yeah,
0: like, nobody nobody seemed to be, well, actually, nobody's surprised that they were time travelers, but nobody seemed to be all that, like, surprised when they said, you know, we were adrift for a while. And they're like, oh, yeah, that you know, like, that happened to us when our dilithium broke or, or whatever.
2: So it's kind of like a future Dark Ages
0: yeah it seems to, like that yeah yeah
2: yeah your roman empire metaphor it, works a lot yeah well
0: yeah um well oh boy the, oh, the episode opens starkly and we one of the first shots we see is like uh kayla detmer's just like not moving open-eyed head oh, <laughs> on a console yeah and i was, she was yeah gone. yeah and i was like man what if they just killed detmer like what, what would people do
2: I would have been bummed because I feel like I've wanted to get to know that character a little bit more. And they have started to, I feel like, in the last season a little bit, but uh, not not fully there yet.
1: Also, what's wrong with her?
0: Well, that's – see, I'm worried that they're building up to her Does she dying. have the
1: – like the same what? – what is the word for what Leland <laughs> had?
0: Oh. Like, you the think little she, nano
1: things? Are they in her th- head?
0: It got into her? Uh-oh. That'd be really kind bad. of. Mm. Why
1: is she acting like this? it's not a concussion? Because she got fixed up.
0: Ooh, I don't like it. I hate it. In fact, <laughs> let's just—I just think that she got bonked on the on the metal cabeza real hard, and so
1: she's. <laughs> <laughs> but then she went down to sickbay, and they were like, "You're fine. Get out."
0: Yeah, you're fine. Get out of here. Name looked at her like, "Whoa, something's up with Are her. Are
1: you good? Yeah."
0: <laughs> Um, yeah, I think that's a um, a, a ticking time bomb <laughs> that we can leave there. Um, the discovery crashes on this planet uh, in the episode. We don't usually see Starfleet ships touch the ground unless they're designed to, like Voyager. So this is um, this is like a kind of a stressful sort of situation.
2: Yeah, it was like a long landing. That was pretty stressful. Yeah. I thought it was
1: I thought it was amazing. Did you guys? Did you, how do you guys feel about the episode overall? Because especially that opening with the crash, I was like blown away. I thought I thought it was beautiful. I thought the effects were beautiful. I thought like everything about it. I was like so stunned and it was so interesting. Like you said, to watch them like do a real crash landing.
0: Yeah, uh, I liked that sequence. I thought that was really neat, uh, especially when you think about something like the sequence in um, the Voyager episode "Timeless," where the ship just. Just biffs it right into the planet. <laughs> That's pretty much it for, like, the Voyager. Um, it was cool to see that you can, like, mitigate the damage and sort of get, you know, crash land safely. But I just wonder if, like, I mean, apparently they can, but how does the ship get back up? Like, it doesn't have – can it can it's, like, uh, it's rocket thrusters, like, propel it? You know, back into orbit, or can it get like high up enough so that it can use its impulse engines? It's all—I mean, it's all plausible, I suppose. But it's just like these things are built in space and like die in space. Like they're not really meant to like go on the ground, so it's it's kind of scary. Of
2: in like because uh, there's Star parasite ice into darkness, they like come up out of the mm-hmm. water and they just like fly into space. So <laughs> yep,
0: no problem. <laughs> they
2: could probably just do that. That feels yeah. like that would be like catastrophic for the planet.
0: If they if they. uh Oh, for that, uh, that early planet? For, that,
2: for any planet, for to have, like, a vessel of that size, like, <laughs> just, like, chilling in your atmosphere. I don't know. I don't know how they work, but it seems like that would... It's like, if you get too close to, like, a helicopter, it can... <laughs> <you know? laughs> but this is, like, 4,000 helicopters. Sure. Yeah, you're... Okay, like, yeah. <laughs> I don't like,
0: know. Like, you're saying, like, the, the downforce of... Either yeah. the rockets or the fields that it would take a three and a half million ton heat. ship into orbit would like, yeah, cause yeah. a new grave. i mean, like, they parked something.
1: on the, they parked on the Great barrier reef and then took off yeah. <laughs> and then hit the engine. Ooh, no. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, that parasitic <clears throat> ice is going to be all like white when they're leaving, all white and dead, like the <laughs> oh, no, barrier like reef. The
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: like, yeah, it was a parasitic ice, but you killed it. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh, my girlfriend had a great point about sick bay in this episode, and I also wanted to talk about sick bay in this episode. Um, Detmer hits her head, and they're like, uh, "You need to go to the sick bay, Lieutenant." And my girlfriend's like, don't, is, "Do they have a buddy system for sick bay? Because how do, they don't know she's gonna get there."
2: Yeah, especially right now. I thought this too because they just made like an emergency crash landing. Like, yeah. there there might not even be a sick bay right now. They don't know. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's like that uh, time. It's like when that who God that kid wandered in when Burnham was in the was in the brig, and was like, "I hit my head. I was supposed to go to sick bay." And she's like, "Bro, you're not in sick
2: bay."
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That's a great. The 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 medical procedures on Discovery not not so good. Yeah, he got sucked out.
2: That's all Star Trek. There's too much freedom on the ship.
0: Yeah, right.
1: freedom in star trek lock it down
0: yeah when you work it like uh on the 12th floor of an office building you can't go to whatever floor you want you gotta go to the lobby or to the 12th floor yeah you got feed
2: your thing well, it turns green
0: like so yeah somebody's like, gonna uh, trip over detmer in the in the hallway on deck 10
2: locks oh on troy God. can just ask where the captain is and get led into his dixon hill program
0: <laughs> no problem <laughs>
1: But let's be honest,
0: gooey she could, she on fire with anything. the TNG early the TNG White references. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what, what, no problem. what was that, Ella?
1: <laughs> she could get into the White House. long a Troy could just walk.
0: Yeah,
2: I
1: could see <laughs> it. I can see oval it. The office. And she could talk her way
2: through anything. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Also, like they're they're releasing. I know that um, this is a triage situation. Like everybody's hurt, but they're releasing people from sick bay who are not not well. Like Jet, maybe it's an old in- injury, resistant to twenty uh, third century technology. There's nothing they can do. But you know, he's he, Paul's not ready to leave sick bay, and now he's crawling around through Jeffrey's tubes. And then they call for. They call for Culber, and he's not the chief medical officer, so maybe he do- does house calls. He shows up, and he's in like a completely bloody like Starfleet medical uniform. <laughs> it's just, like change your jacket. Like they must have like uh, first of all, why aren't they in scrubs? You know, or aprons with uh, PPE, but yeah
2: but he just Maybe comes that's out an issue they've solved in the future <laughs> oh it's
0: eat. it's all sterile like they just have like, like uv yeah. beams shoot out and they, sterilize yeah they don't blood. get
2: headaches and when
1: like, you become a yeah. uh, like a medical officer they just laser you you're hairless and you're perfect at all times you don't even need to wash your hands.
0: <laughs> but he still looks like he works in a butcher shop <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's an emergency you think he's gonna stop and replicate a new uniform
0: that
2: actually, I,
1: oh, yeah, I
0: it would be not. very
2: easy to do cha- costume changes in this situation. Costume. You Maybe costume. What, if there, <laughs> what if the replicators are
1: down?
0: That's true. But have a closet with a couple white jackets in it. I don't know. <laughs> or just hose <laughs> them down. <laughs> just funny. take them back. Just hose them down.
1: Hose it down. <laughs> take a sonic shower, real quick, before you go help your dying partner. Yeah. Also, can I? I'm confused about the status of their relationship.
0: Okay, Uh, uh, Paul and... Wait, at
1: the end? Yeah. Yeah. Because I I, thought...
0: I forgot the last
1: season. Me too. Everything I want, and it goes right out the other ear.
0: Things were tense between them, uh, especially as Culber was sort of screwing his head back on after he, you know, was resurrected. But then in the finale, he just kind of was like, after Stamos was hurt, he's like, oh, I'm here for you, everything, you know, I'll be with you. Yeah. So I guess That's they're okay. All right. Yeah.
1: I wish you guys. I was messaging Mo, who's been on the show at Sound of Cosplay. Yeah. Um. And obviously it's the middle of the night in Austria, and so Mo is asleep. But I was like, Mo, I don't know what's going on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you got to be on call. Come on.
1: It's like right. Mo, wake up, <laughs> dude.
0: Like Culbert. yeah. Trek time. Uh. Also, as far as like their um. Uh, uh what do you call it? Just uh you know their uh, blood safety stuff uh this guy's just shoveling like chunks of Leland into a into a box
1: <laughs> that was so icky, <laughs> but I love him. he was so funny, whoever that like extra was that
2: <laughs> you He's know doing the dirty work. I think
0: his name was Sean, but I've already forgotten yeah it's
1: um, Gene because I had the subtitles on, oh, and
0: okay. I said
1: I'm in love. Um, I'm in love with I would also boy. like that's disgusting. <laughs> more brains.
2: I, I have a question or like maybe like a weird thing. Maybe you guys don't won't agree with me, but you mentioned their relationship. And I was yeah. thinking I don't think anybody on this show has like a neutral interaction with another person. <laughs> like it's either yeah. insane hostility or bickering or overt affection. And no you one is ever just like having a normal me. conversation. Okay yeah <laughs> like, no one's ever just like discussing a thing normally, which uh-huh. it would be boring if that's all it was, but like everyone is either jumping down someone's throat or like, I love you more than anything. you know I'm like, like okay
1: there with Linus. she's like, I bet you just see
2: everything. yeah, it makes sense <laughs> like, that I she do. would be intense. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I don't know I'm, I'm kind of off put by that a little bit. It's like it feels just like constant. Heightened emotions, and I and I get it's a tense situation, but or it's like everybody,
0: yeah, it's television. Everybody or everybody's <laughs> yeah, yeah. um kind of lecturing each other, like everybody is. Yeah. And I know, like part of it is is exposition. So somebody's like, "Well, I don't want to do that." Well, you know, officer, that we have to do ba-da. Da, 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 da. And so, yeah, I think it's like partially a device to kind of get the story moving, but it's also, yeah, there is a lot of this tension you're not supposed to have that in the military you know the the people with one pip are supposed to shut up and then the people with the four yeah. pips can do whatever they want but there yeah, was a lot of kind of kind of brinksmanship
1: argue about it when yeah. there's an authority struggle georgio not... and saru
2: <laughs> exactly yeah that yeah. i mean that's an interesting storyline for sure i i'm not <laughs> trying to be someone who's like back in my day star trek they all got along and they all did their jobs good <laughs> But I do feel like they're always arguing or in love. And the camera is always spinning around. And I'm like,
1: (laughs) I just want. (laughs) There's too many lights.
0: Maybe they're all dizzy. Yeah, they're all nauseous.
1: (laughs) Detmer is dizzy. Dizzy.
0: Paul is dizzy. <laughs> yeah, right. Everyone's dizzy. Well, they're organically dizzy. Everybody else is dizzy from the camera. Yeah. Um, I, I like how <laughs> Saru is so by the book that he keeps calling himself acting captain. And it's like, look left, look right. There ain't no <laughs> Federation, buddy. You're whatever. You're, yeah, Admiral. you're, whatever, you're Admiral. <laughs> Admiral. You're whatever
2: you want to be now. That's that's cool, though. That's going to my... be his story, I feel like. Yeah.
0: Right? Yeah, I think so. Um, because he, uh, obviously, the idea of holding your ideals um, in place is a big part of this. And we see that in this episode when we get into the um, saloon standoff and Saru's not even, I mean, at the end, when they get the drop on them, he's like, okay, let's all, you know, punch him or, or run or whatever. But um, <laughs> even after they they horribly kill that guy, he's like, all right, look, we're going to make you a fair deal. We'll, we'll give you X amount of dilithium and then we'll leave. And that's what we're going to do here because we're not going to take your threats, but also we're not going to, resort to violence because we don't do that and i like that and i I hope he's able to maintain that but i think that's going to get challenged as the show goes on
2: i i like too he had his little he did have a nice little talk when they were on their way there and he got to be kind of like supportive and captainly yeah
1: Yeah, that was was such a good moment between him and tilly when he told her that she made a good first impression that was i almost burst into tears
0: yeah, uh, I, I like the, how their relationship is developing. Um, also, I like the I like the fact that <laughs> when you split characters up, it gives you a chance to sort of explore things. And I, I can't believe, I mean, we talked about this last week, and I kind of felt like they probably were going to get back together. But it looks like, you know, our crew is going to be reunited. But like on one show, we've got Saru going, now put the gun down. Let's talk about this. We'll give you some dilithium. And in another show, we've got Burnham kills like 20 guys. Like they just – is that Tellerite exchange even open anymore after the uh, all the employees were killed? Like it's just – Well, she's also
1: a... with uh, Buck. Yeah. So
0: Book. Yeah.
2: Book should
1: – She was like, you know, shoot them and she was still high.
2: <laughs> was right. so stoned, like...
1: She was so stoned. She was having a great time.
2: Some people, they get, you know, mellow. She kills 20 people.
1: <laughs> she had like eight bars of Xanax. She was doing great. <laughs> I
2: I was sort of like excited about the premise of like uh, Saru coming into his own more, and I, I was oh, like, yeah. when when they got back together, I was I'm sure they're still gonna do that, but I was like, kind of what'll like I f- he feels. I feel like just because Burnham is like maybe the m- main character, but I feel like he feels more. uh at a disadvantage when she's not there, you know? So yeah.
0: Like... They played up their connection and their rivalry a lot in the early seasons of the show. Right. But like, yeah, hopefully he does. Cause Burnham, you know, she takes up a lot of air they in the room. Yeah. But they are best friends though. I and mean, hopefully we'll get to see now that their circumstances yeah. are totally changed. Like how they continue to, to support each other.
2: And there's going to be like a bud triangle. Cause there's also yeah. Giorgio and she's feuding with him.
0: Right. It's... Right. Butt triangle. No, bud triangle. Bud <laughs> triangle. Um, let's see. That's when you've got Larry Bud Melman, our uh, Bud Dwyer, and Airbud. Air bud, yeah, and they're all
1: <laughs> Air bud. Budweiser light.
0: Yeah, they're all drinking buds and uh, trying to work it out.
2: Oh yeah, it's just the Budweiser frogs. Remember those guys? <laughs>
0: Gooey, you missed your career in advertising, I think. <laughs> right, or you still, you still can do it. Um, I, uh, let's see. Anything else? <laughs> I've got a couple more things. Anybody else have any uh, comments uh, about where things are going or just about the episode in general?
1: I'm just so – I liked it so much. I thought it was amazing.
0: Gooey?
2: Yeah, I'm try- um, no, I, I'm, I'm like uh, agnostic about it, I think. I, I think just maybe – i do i am like a a trek grump a little bit and i it's just not i don't think it totally clicks with me, but i'm not like a angry about it or anything yeah i just i just not really i feel like i'm more passively watching this show you know it's like okay yeah
0: i, Interesting. I, I yeah <laughs> i could i could see that i i i really like that we are constantly seeing our characters you know in new situations, and it isn't just you know, you get that in other forms of Trek, but sometimes it's, oh, the nobody's shooting on the Gunsmoke set today, so we're going to do a cowboy episode of Star <laughs> Trek. Or sometimes it's, uh, these alien guys with mullets brought a board game that you get sucked into onto DS9, and let's yes. never talk about this episode <laughs> again. And at least they are they're, they're pushing the characters to be in new situations. You know, we got to – where else are you going to see a saloon standoff if it's not in – Uh, specter of the gun or something like that. And so I think it's cool that we can do that. But at the same time, I sometimes I feel like a character on discovery and discovery is like yelling at me and lecturing me, (laughs) Um, especially when, so we we take this amazing opportunity. We send the ship to the future. The Federation is decimated. And so they're going to be sort of the core that they're the spark that reignites the fire. It's a great idea, but like, I get that kind of going back to the article. I I get that the Federation and Starfleet are a positive force, but, you know, what do we... Maybe we can make something new. Do we have to bring the old thing back and that sort of thing? And I feel like the show has been lecturing us for two years about how we are Starfleet, you know, we don't lie, or all the things that we don't do. And, you know... the original, like, DS9 is so much more morally gray than that. Like, Starfleet even coming in in the first place and sticking their nose into the Bajoran's business was a huge deal. Like, Kira didn't want to see Cisco's face on DS9. She didn't want, they didn't want any interference. <laughs> she really interfe- did not. They didn't want interference at all. Yeah. And so the Starfleet has to play, like, the sort of helpful neighbor who also has huge guns and is like, well, we're going to do this. And the the just the moral conflicts are, are a lot more cut and dried um, so far in Discovery, and not not as a whole, you know. But this this new storyline seems to be very kind of simplistic, and so I hope that we, I, I trust that we will find a, a lot of nuance as we go on in it. But right now, it's just like, okay, we'll get free ourselves of the parasitic ice and let's get this thing going again. <laughs> yeah, I'm it's thinking... also only the
1: second episode.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So,
1: I feel like that is the vibe, but uh, that was all. Could we go ahead?
0: Yeah, no,
2: I, I'm, yeah, a lot of, like, the things I'm, like, weary about is, like, jumping to the end, and I don't know if that's what it's really about, you know? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Last I, week I, t- I do think of the, the Roman Empire fell, and then for, like, a thousand years, people were obsessed with it and wanted to bring it back, but all the people who, like... Came close to it were like monsters Not good people <laughs> yeah. So that's not not to say like The feder like I don't know that's just how I feel It's like why are you, we We don't need to bring back this Space empire we need to You know I don't know I don't care I don't care where the good Vibes are coming from as long As they're good vibes <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm saying
0: Just keep bringing those good vibes <laughs>
2: Yeah I, if if the Ferengi Alliance is bringing the good vibes, that's fine with me. Yes. You.
0: <laughs> you know, maybe with a thousand years of development, uh, the Ferengi, uh, whatever they're called now, uh, have got their stuff worked out. They're like, yeah, I know we were pretty bad to women before. We really regret that part of our <laughs> th- uh, more. would more that be
2: sweet if if it turned out that like the Federation collapsed because it? Sucked, but the Ferengis were like woke kings, you know.
0: Yeah, it took him a long time. <laughs> I knew him in college. Oh boy, you didn't want to know him, but now he's uh, yeah, he's, he's a nice, better, better guy. Um, boy, that that Roman Empire oh comment was really chilling. So maybe let's just move on, I guess. <laughs> I liked their vape guns. Now hear me out. They had these guns. They were very. Exactly. S- they were very smooth, and they kind of hummed a little bit and glowed. And I don't know a lot about, like, e-cigs, Ooh. but it re- they reminded me of giant e sigs, kind of.
1: It's like a jewel.
0: Yeah. They're like they're weaponized jewel pods. <laughs> the, the, yeah, there's the good vibes I'm
2: talking about. <laughs>
1: <laughs> good vibes only.
0: Give us all your juice.
2: I think it's because, yeah, people want to – I think it's because yeah, they make the jewels. They want those to look – they have the same conceptualization of, like, what's futuristic, you know? They want to make jewels <laughs> look cool to smoke, so they make them look like Star Trek guns. Jewel and designers
0: are, like, on the like bleeding edge of the technology high design. will
1: love this. The high schoolers will go, dumb, stupid. <laughs> and
0: then we can sell our branded uh, Star Trek Discovery uh, e-cigs, yeah. I mean, and that's... Here's e-cig something. paraphernalia.
1: that happen.
2: perfect fit honestly I think
1: just kidding
0: Well, uh, I think we've pretty much nailed everything for today, uh, unless you guys have something else that you wanted to add. But assuming not, that is it for our show this week. Thanks for joining us, listeners. If you like what you hear, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at EISTpod for updates and get notified when new episodes of both Enterprising Individuals and Discoverage are released. And you can tweet to us on the show by using the hashtag Discoverage or email us at EISTpod at gmail.com. Also, while you're on the internet, why not head to your listing platform of choice and subscribe to our show feed. Give us a rating and a review because it really helps us out. If you want to help the show grow, stop by our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash EISG pod. And as always, if you like the show, tell a friend. Discovery will return on October 29th for the third episode of Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery, entitled People of Earth, which is directed by Jonathan Frakes. We'll be here next Thursday to cover it. We'll be, go, we'll be going live once again at 7 p.m. Central, so join us then. You can follow us on Twitter or Facebook at Pod to get notified when we're live and broadcasting. In the meantime, you can check out our main show, Enterprising Individuals, at enterprisingindividuals.com. Every Wednesday on the show, I and a special guest discuss in excruciating detail a selected episode from a star trek series we also have news from the trek sphere and interviews with special guests and on our latest episode we i'm joined by gooey fame and ella as well as thad hate of the delta flyer podcast and jen of rosemary's ladies to talk about star trek nemesis the 2020 of star trek movies
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was a lot of fun that was a lot of fun. It was fun, <laughs> yeah. yes,
0: once we got it going. Uh, I also want to mention that Gooey and I have a Star Trek podcast called Backtrekking, and our new Halloween episode dropped today, on which we talk about the only Halloween Star Trek episode, Cat's Paw.
2: Hopefully not the last. I'm looking at you, Discovery.
0: Come on, Discovery. Make it happen. Or bring all those costumes back from Star Trek Picard.
2: Is it next week? Yeah, Frakes... Frakes is our man. He can do
0: it. <laughs> can they go him. back
2: to Earth and
0: it's all skeletons. It's, yeah, great. <laughs> yeah. I guess uh, Terminator is a Halloween movie when you think about it. Yeah. It's the first <laughs> part. So uh, check that out. Uh, you, can hear that at, uh, you can hear that episode at, at enterprisingindividuals.com. You can also check out backtracking at, at backtracking on Twitter. Ella, thank you as always for joining me to talk about the show tonight. Remind people where they can find you online. Ella, are you there? Oh no, we might have lost Ella, but I'll tell you that you can find Ella and her dad, uh, dad show Generations Geek at at Generations Geek on Twitter. And Gooey, it's always great to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thank Where you. can people find you online?
2: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Gooey Fame, and yeah, check out backtracking, like you mentioned, Virtual Theater, which is at Virtual Theater X. <laughs> I yes. actually think that's what it is, and uh, uh, pro wrestling required viewing. Um, I don't remember what the handle is for that, but just type it in Twitter, and it'll come up.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, listen to our pack tricking episode. Find out why 23rd century humans are afraid of giant cats. It's just in our <laughs> it's just in our DNA. We just can't help it.
2: I that was genuinely a great episode. I watched that and ate Halloween candy, so I feel like <laughs> you can. Uh, Eat Halloween candy, and it'll go along well with the podcast.
0: Although, spoiler, it's not not a great episode. So it's kind of like if you just ate candy corn all through the episode, that'd be the way to go. Oh,
2: it is the candy corn of Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, so.
0: it really is. <laughs> well, that is it for us. Thanks for listening, everyone. We are signing off. This is Aaron for Ella and Gooey saying, live long and prosper. Yeah.